Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, December 1st, 2015. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston. Specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. And now, home of an on-the-spot embroidery service. Also home of the best skate shopping in New England. So grab your skates, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester. There is plenty of parking out back. Or give them a call for more information on all your screen printing and embroidery needs. 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. Or go to BeantownAthletics.com right now and make sure you tell them I sent you. So here we are. Good to be back in the studio here at Beantown Athletics. Uh, If you listen to yesterday's podcast, you know that I recorded it from my living room couch in my apartment in Celtic. Um, A lot of sentimental value to that. If you follow the history of the show and where I've taken it, where I began this show, from my living room couch in my UMass Amherst apartment back in my senior year, 2006-2007, I've taken the show to multiple smaller radio stations since then. Uh, But ultimately, this is a podcast that, for the most part, I have recorded from a couch in my living room, whether it be where I started in UMass at UMass Amherst or in Southie, the apartment that I've been at uh, for a pretty long time now. We moved out of that apartment yesterday, and yes, I've moved home, temporarily moved home. It's a tough move. It's an emotional move. The apartment that we had in Southie was uh, handed down to a, a, you know, a couple of, of different people, all in my circle of friends. And we have a, you know, there's a lot of memories in that place. And, and of course, when you move back home, you don't really have the same freedoms that, that, that you had before. And I don't mean to come really complain too much about it because believe me, at the end of the day, I am extremely grateful that I have the ability to, to move home when some things at the apartment don't work out. Uh, my roommates are moving out, and it was one of those things where, hey, I could save some money. We'll do it for a little bit. We'll see how it works. But when you make that move, hey, yesterday was moving day for me. And I know last week I told you I was not going to have a podcast yesterday. So if you're just sort of tuning in today and, and wondering uh, you know, uh, why I might not be given my complete analysis to the Denver Patriots game on Sunday nights because I did most of it yesterday. I I woke up in the morning. We had to move a whole lot of shit out. We had to move everything out, really. And, of course, we saved it all for the last minute. That's just typical. I mean, what we, it was a holiday weekend, right? You, you start drinking on Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. Next thing you know, you got Thanksgiving. You got the night after Thanksgiving. Uh, I worked over the weekend on WEI on Saturday, and you got football on Sunday with the Patriots on Sunday night, and you all of a sudden Monday morning comes, and you find yourself really not having moved anything. So, I mean, not just like, in my room, not just my personal belongings, but everything else in the house. So it was a long day. It was a long moving day. I am hurting today from moving so much stuff. But yesterday when I woke up, you know, I just couldn't make it into the studio. It's just too much of a process to be able to fire it up here. And I just, I wouldn't get out of here in time to get back and, and have enough time to move out all day yesterday. I mean, I didn't finish up until about 10 o'clock last night. And by the time, you know, I f- officially move in back home, I, you know, you get to turn the TV on and. I did watch the the blocked field goal in the Monday night game that resulted in a Baltimore Ravens win over the Cleveland Browns. That's the only part of that game that I saw, though. Was the, I turned it on. There was like 30 seconds left, and uh, you know, all of a sudden the Browns are going to kick a, a, a game-winning field goal, and it's blocked, and the Ravens running in for a touchdown. That's all I saw. To be honest, even if I wasn't moving out last night, that's really all I wanted to see of that game. Anyways, you know, if you wanted to tune in to the Monday night game last night for anything, it wouldn't be for the Ravens because they suck. And, and obviously we know Joe Flacco was down and Matt Schaub was their quarterback. It would be for Johnny Manziel, who was handed the keys to the car in Cleveland. But then during his bye week, he goes out partying and they bench him. So he's not playing. Who are you really watching? What are you really watching for? Maybe a couple guys you have on fantasy. Maybe you're doing, you know, the daily fantasy sports. Maybe you're just putting money on a team and the spread. But I didn't have any of that going last night. So I had no horse in that race whatsoever. 
And I just, I was, I probably wouldn't have watched anyways, but I did move all my stuff back uh, home. And when I say home, I mean like five blocks up the street. That's why I'm, it's not really a complaint. I'm extremely grateful to have, uh, to be in the situation that I'm in. But um, at the same time, I, there was a lot of sentimental value yesterday with recording the podcast from my living room couch. Yeah, I got a couple microphones. I, I didn't set up my actual podcast equipment. I have this little MP3 uh, recorder that you can put a microphone into, and I sat in the couch and uh, while stuff was being moved out. And, and I gave you a half hour of my reaction to the Broncos Patriots because that was important. I needed to give that to you. Look, we got a growing audience on this show. And um, while maybe I don't get the opportunities outside of this, I, I, I think that the people who listen, who tune in, and continue to come back, I, that is growing. So I felt the need to give you my reaction to Broncos Patriots, even though last week I told you there would be no show Monday. Well, guess what? That game was so emotional, and we were so caught up in it. And it was just such a devastating loss that there were some things I needed to get off my chest and in a way needed to sort of defend myself from a whole lot of motherfuckers coming at me about the whole Chris Hopper thing. Now, uh, just to do some housekeeping here on this Tuesday's show, two days after a Sunday night loss in Denver, in which now obviously the Patriots are no longer undefeated, they still have the one seed. But some housekeeping stuff here is first and foremost... The biggest news is that Rob Gronkowski, this seems to be just a bruise, and it's nothing too serious. The Patriots dodged a bullet. We dodged a bullet here in New England with this one, because when Gronk got hit, his body language, I don't know about you guys, but I hit the ground. I, you know, Tom Brady's facial expression said it all, but I was surprised he didn't also fall to the ground, because I was on the floor. When Gronk went down and the way he reacted to his knee getting hit. I was on the ground. Again, the whole emo- the emotions running through this weekend. Just moving out of the apartment. Sunday night was the last night. We had people over. We, uh, you know, we had our friends over. We watching the game. We're all fight up. You're up 14 nothing. You're up 21-7. Chris Hopper fumbles a fucking punt. And that changed the game. You give the Broncos field position. They score. It's a new ball game. The other bit of news here is, and I'll, and I'll talk more about it in a second, is Chris Hopper has been released. Now, I still think he's going to find himself on the practice squad. There are a couple spots open. you got to, you know, that, that needs to happen first. Before you put on the practice squad, clear waivers, right? I could still see that happening, but no surprise. I mean, I'm surprised he was even out there in the final drive and Brady was throwing to him. I did, look, as much as I praised Chris Hopper, at least, I should say this. Let me clarify for the people that want to only listen to what they want to hear. You, Some people hear what they want, and they don't listen to the whole thing, or they don't listen to the big picture, or the main point. The main point being is we talk about next man up. Next man up is – it works because of Belichick and Brady for the most part. And while those two guys are still here, the next man up approach is a real thing. I believe in it. And – This was a guy that they had used or at least targeted a couple times when Amendola went down on Monday night against the Bills to the point where you're saying, all right, they just signed him for the practice squad. He's obviously getting reps. He's getting looks in big spots of a Monday night game. And that seems to be the guy they're going to go to, right? It just seemed to be the guy. And since that is the guy, well, here's the deal. His resume, his background, the the fact that it looked like a perfect patriot story i said i'm going to this is this seems this seems real to me and i would not be surprised as a receiver by the way and we didn't i didn't get to special teams with chris hopper i wasn't i that just wasn't even on my on my mind and maybe it should have been but still even if you had told me nobody sat there and told me i i think chris hopper is going to fumble a he's going to muff a punt in a big spot and the pay, it's going to it's going to cost the Patriots the game. Nobody told me that. If you did, you know what I would have said? I said, hey, if Chris Hopper muffs one punt in this game on Sunday night in Denver, he does not see the field the rest of the game. I don't care how much I, I might tell you I believe in him, but for the most part, I believe in the process, in the system, in the organization, and more importantly, in the quarterback and the coach for being able to take the next man up and making it work with that guy. 
and I told you about the Edelman story, but I also told, yeah, some people come to me, oh, you said he was going to replace Edelman. In fact, I said the complete opposite. I said, you can't replace Edelman. What I was pointing out to you was, when we talk about the next man up, here's why I believe it's a real thing. Because of the previous stories of certain players who were not predicted to be the 1,000-yard, 100-catch wide receivers that they currently are. They're They're irreplaceable. Edelman cannot be replaced. I've said that. Time and time again. But nobody wants to nobody wants to, to listen to actually what's coming out. They hear Chris Hopper. They hear some praise. They see him up punt. And here they come. Here they come. They come with the tweets. I had some fucking donkey hit me up with the Instagram yesterday. This guy, this jerk off. He's, what a clown. You got, you got to be a real clown, right? To follow me on Instagram. Okay. Save a picture on your phone, screenshot of Chris Hopper getting released. <laughs> Chris Hopper gets released today. Screenshot it. Put the photo on your own Instagram. And tag me in it with a comment that said, Oh, isn't this the guy you said was good? Oh, holy shit, dude. Dude, what'd you listen to? Yeah, I, I told you that Chris Hopper was gonna be somebody that would have an opportunity, and if given the opportunity as a wide receiver, I think that he would make some plays based on the fact that the next man up works with Belichick and Brady. Here's the biggest thing, though. You know, and while, hey, I get it. The the Hopper thing, the prediction, it didn't work out. But, you know, then it was a terrible, terrible fumble. I mean, don't come to me. The people come to me like I fumbled the fucking football. I didn't fumble the football. If you told me Chris Hopper was going to fumble at any point, I told you, release him during the game. That can't happen. You, I, to, I told you the turnover battle was going to be the difference here. And, and, and that was a crucial turnover in a crucial spot at a, at a crucial time of the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And it, it, the field position was devastating. You know, it's one thing if, if Hopper caught a pass inside the red zone and fumbled on the 10-yard line. It's like, all right. You know, it's, this is, you, now they, they still have to drive 80 yards downfield. It still would have been tough, but not as tough as giving them the ball close to, you know, the end zone. I mean, it was brutal. And, and he should be released today, yesterday, like he was. And if they want to put him on the practice squad, so be it if you need some bodies. But look, it, that, it didn't work out with him in that spot. But what I had been talking about was Chris Hopper, the receiver, going out, trying to catch passes. You know, being lined up wide, being lined up in the slot. They didn't really even throw him out there until the final drive of the fourth quarter, and they actually threw him the football. Uh, he dropped one, and then another. He was grabbed, and they called pass interference and gave the Patriots a first down, which led to then the big pass down the left sideline to LaFell. He gets out of bounds. Patriots kick the field goal. You're going to overtime. But, I mean, look, people coming at people still coming at me with the Hopper stuff. It's like, you know, you're not coming at me saying when I told you this seemed like it was going to be a Scott Chandler type of game. And, you know, obviously they're giving him the ball in the end zone. Nobody's coming at me being like, hey, you know, you said Scott Chandler would, would be a factor. And now, obviously, you had to maybe rely on him a little more when Gronk goes down. I didn't want that to happen. Obviously, nobody does. But when you see Gronk go down and you see his reaction and just my reaction just that night, Again, and, and, and look, things could be much worse, so I, don't, I don't, don't take the complaints about moving out of the apartment too seriously. But obviously, again, uh, it's an emotional night, you know what I mean? And then you got this game. I mean, I'm sick to my stomach going into the game because you know that Denver's got the best shot to, to beat the Patriots out of all the teams they faced. I don't care who the quarterback was. Their defense, okay? Denver's defense alone. But... You know, then you, you got, you're up 14 nothing. you're up 21-7, you're feeling real good. You know, you're not as nervous. And all of a sudden, everything just, gets, just goes bad. Hopper fumbles, Broncos score, you got a couple awful penalty calls on you, and the officials absolutely screwed the Patriots in this game, okay? They did. Because even after the Chris Hopper fumble, you could have still won the game! The Gronk offensive pass interference. And I got a story on the officials I'm going to get to in a second, which has got me really fired up today. Really fired up. I, I mean, the, the, the type of screw job that the NFL is trying to put 
on the Patriots right now this season is something that not even Vince McMahon could draw up and perfect. He couldn't. He couldn't do it. He could. Vince McMahon couldn't pull this off. Okay, but somehow the NFL seems to be doing a pretty good job of doing everything they can the last three games to screw the Patriots. All right, and it goes back to the Bills game. That terrible whistle that they blew. I, nope, still nobody knows why they blew the whistle. Other than the officials had the, took the seven points or the seven and a half points and they're trying to screw the Patriots. But, um, look, obviously the hop of fumble changed the game. But you got some brutal penalties after that that, you know, if you don't call those penalties, the offensive pass interference on Gronk. But the one that even pisses me off is the whole, I told you yesterday, the holding call on Patrick Chung down near the end zone. It, it was a, a second down play. All of a sudden, you got to rush up the middle. Osweiler gets sacked. It's like it's going to be third and long, third and goal situation from what? Close to the 20-yard line. It's a completely different story. And they're down four. They, would, they couldn't kick a field goal. They needed a touchdown. I mean, if you're an official and you see Chung with that little tug, that little grab, and it wasn't even anything devastating, but forget about the grab. Let's say Patrick Chung clotheslined, clotheslined him. I still don't think they should have called it based on the fact that when the contact was made, the play was pretty much dead. It wasn't even a factor in the play. You took a, a, a physical moment in a physical game. You blew the whistle. You called a penalty on a play that had no, that did not factor in to where the ball was or what was going to happen with the ball. And last time I checked, the NFL actually cares about the balls, right? We've been dealing with the fucking footballs for the last 10 months. So, uh, with the flake aid, you know what I mean? You know, I don't even have to point it out. I shouldn't have to point it out. But that, if you didn't know, if you're like, what's he talking about? That's what I mean, the flake aid. But, uh, look, that Chung penalty call pisses me off because you got third and long. It's a different game. It's a different game. And you got the high tower injury. Then you got Gronk getting hurt, and it looked to be worse. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking worst-case scenario at that point. And even when they tied it, I'm sitting there going, you needed to win this game in regulation. And all the things that happened before this cost you the game. The fumble from Hopper, the injury to Gronk, the injury to Hightower, the, the penalties, just the awful officiating. It was a nightmare. It was a disaster. It was a roller coaster of emotions. And I've been sick to my stomach for the last 48 hours over it all. So when I... Come back here into the studios after doing yesterday's show from my living room couch. And let's fucking hope, by the way, the last show from a living room fucking couch, okay? Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's pray. Let's knock on wood. It's the last show from a living room couch, all right? Got a nice, beautiful studio here at Beantown Athletics. I have remote equipment. I'm not opposed to going. What I'm going to be doing soon, I'm going to be going out and, and getting some stuff and then coming in here and playing it. And believe me, we did some big plans here. Let's hope, right? Some things going on behind the scenes. Let, let's hope that I don't ever have to go back to a living room couch, right? Um, but anyways, I'm back here in the studio today. And when I open my laptop and I get situated and I get back into my zone and yes, I'm upset that the Patriots have a loss, but I still tell you that they yeah, I wrote in the Boston Metro last week, my column that I have every week, I wrote, look, even if the Patriots lose to the Broncos, the Patriots are still going to have the one seed in the AFC. It, because you got to look at their schedule. At home against Philly next weekend, at Houston, at home against Tennessee, at the Jets, at Miami, I know the Patriots are banged up, and I'm telling you right now, I still think that... Uh, they are going to finish this season with only one loss. I really do. And I, and that's going to be good enough uh, to, to get them the number one seed. Now, the Bengals are 9-2. and two, And when I look at Cincinnati and their schedule, their schedule is not easy. They got a couple tough games. At Cleveland, that's just going to be a dogfight, isn't it? The AFC North and then back-to-back AFC North games for Cincy because they at Cleveland. Then they're at home against Pittsburgh. Right, the, the Pittsburgh one's tough for them, for Cincy. They go to San Francisco, then they go to Denver, then they finish it up against Baltimore. A Baltimore team, you get some players who will be playing for a job, 
And again, another AFC North battle. So I don't even think it's a given that Cincinnati at 9-2, and two, they're not going to run the table. So the Patriots might not even need to run the table. And if you look at Denver's schedule, they're at San Diego, at home against Oakland, at Pittsburgh, which again is not easy for the Broncos. I really like Pittsburgh, even though they without Le'Veon Bell down the stretch. If Big Ben can play, I like Pittsburgh. they got weapons offensively, and I don't think their defense, it's not what it used to be. But it's not one of the worst in the league, in my opinion, from what I've seen from them. And Cincinnati, Denver plays Cincinnati again. Like I said, and then San Diego to finish the season. Denver is at home against San Diego. So that's the schedule for those teams. I still think the Patriots are going to get the first round by. But even knowing that, you know, I, I open up my laptop today. Yesterday we got the news. Hopper was released. Yes, absolutely. Can You need to do it. I'm surprised they didn't release him. Uh, you know, the moment after he fumbled. I'm surprised they didn't send him back to the locker room because that's what you probably should have done. But Gronko's hurt. Yesterday we get the news. It's only going to be a bad bruise and he should be fine. He might miss a game or two. But, I mean, that's just let that thing heal because if you're the Patriots, you know you need Gronk for the playoffs, right? Um, You're going to get Amendola back before the playoffs. Edelman's back during the bye week. So, Look, when this team goes to the playoffs, they're going to have Gronk, Edelman, Amendola. Yeah, Deion Lewis is not walking through that door, but Gronk, Edelman, Amendola, I'm good with that, okay? I'm good with that. You need Jamie Collins back. They're saying Jamie Collins is going to return this Sunday against the Eagles. He's missed the last four games with an illness. Hightower has an MCL sprain. Um, I'm not a big Gerard Mayo fan. Mayo has played pretty good. And at this point, I just love the linebacker A-gap blitz up the middle from the Patriots. I think that's, I honestly think that's when they're at their best. But Jamie Collins and Hightower are the best at that. And they are the best, they're helping this team stop the run. Hightower is. So uh, even though Mayo's been, been good, and I have to give him credit for that because he is somebody that I've knocked in the past. I've, I have liked what he's brought to the table, stepping up. Um, and, and clearly a leader on this team is Mayo. But but still, you need Hightower. It's, it looks like maybe they dodged a bullet here too. Maybe just a couple weeks he'll be out. And you're hoping they'll have him for the playoffs as well. So, I, look, I think, I still think we should feel good about this Patriots team. And, and you know what? I do. I really do feel good about this Patriots team. They wanted the undefeated season. So did I. But that doesn't mean they can't win the ultimate prize still, which is the Super Bowl. Before you do that, though, you got to get the first round by. They'll have that. Before you do that, you got to get the one seed. I think they'll have that, too, because I don't think their schedule is tough. And like I said, I think you're going to get some bodies back here the next couple weeks, which will be good enough to, again, give your team a chance to win some of these games that I think would be winnable anyways, even if you were playing with some of the scrubs that you had to play with, you know, against the Broncos. And when I say scrubs... That, Look, don't, I hope they don't take that personally because that's just, I'm just saying scrubs because that's the word that you use to describe guys that if everybody was healthy, those guys wouldn't be in, right? So, uh, I open my, open up my laptop today, feeling good about the Patriots, but then I have to read a story about the officials in this game Sunday against the Eagles. I have to see that story. And, uh, if you haven't heard the story yet, it is one that, Leads me to believe the NFL is absolutely, you know, we, this was a concern. The, con- the concern with the Deflategate stuff and Brady ultimately getting off with Judge Richard Berman, the concern was not, at least to me, the concern wasn't that, and I know some people thought, you know, some people's concern was Brady, oh, at some point they're going to have the appeal this season and he could, and he could miss some games at the end of the season. No, I mean, at, there was one point that I got to where I'm saying to myself, that's not going to happen. The appeal, the NFL's appeal is going to happen after the season, right? But the fear was, the concern was that maybe there would be some type of screw job at some point and the officials would just start, you know, calling shit on the Patriots that shouldn't be called, much like the whistle that was blown against Buffalo two weeks ago, much like just some of the awful penalties they called on the Patriots, both offensively and defensively, at the end of that game on Sunday Night Football. With those things said, and all the frustrations that we have had with the officials in the NFL, not just with the Patriots, but around the league. And I told you on yesterday's podcast, 
some of the things that happened, right? The officials basically helped Oakland beat Tennessee at the end. Um, and also, I was, and I tweeted this out, there was a point in time during the Arizona-San Francisco game, and this, this will link into this official story that I'm about to give you, and, and it links to the Patriots-Eagles game on Sunday at 425 at Gillette Stadium. The Cardinals 49ers game in San Francisco on Sunday. I was watching that game on Red Zone. There was a point in time during that game in which the officials spent a good... I didn't time it. I didn't read a story that had it timed. Somebody might have timed it. I'm just going to estimate. But put it this way. Any amount of time where this is happening... Is, is a bad look and is just brutal and is pathetic and embarrassing for the league. But a good eight minutes went by, in my own personal estimation, in which the officials in the Cardinals 49ers game, they forgot what down it was. I, yeah, that's right. I know you're saying, wait a minute, what? What do you mean? Well, they didn't know what the down was. The play-by-play guys are going, eh... It's not second down, it's third down. And you know what? I don't even know what the situation was. It was it was red zone, they tuned in. Bottom line is second, third down. Play by play guys were saying it should have been one thing. One team was saying the other. The officials were going together. They said it's one thing. Then they got it wrong. Then they had to get together again. They say, wait a minute, what down is it really? I, the most embarrassing thing that I've seen since reading the Wells report and hearing that Walt Anderson was just, you know, leaving uh, broken PSI gauges all over the locker room and leaving the, sh- leaving the footballs by the shower and leaving one on a couch that Kelly Naki later, you know, tried to nail McNally with by saying he was giving illegal balls to the officials, right? The most embarrassing officiating moment since the Wales report, since the Flategate, since Walt Anderson, it was, yes, it was, excuse me, Sunday 49ers, Cardinals, the officials forgot what fucking down it was. Like, how does that happen? How do you, how does that happen? That's ultimately, I mean, that stuff should take care of itself. That's just common sense. You know what that is? That's just paying attention to the game. The officials should be paying attention to the game, shouldn't they? Oh, man, it was embarrassing. And I I mentioned it yesterday. I said, you know, it, it's just a, a, an awful moment for the league. Another awful moment for the refs in the league. And and when I open up my computer today, the first story I see is a story on how Pete Morelli's officiating crew. It was the crew that forgot how many downs it was in the Cardinals 49ers game. Pete Morelli's crew, that crew, they have been taken off of the Sunday night football game which is the game of the week, as you know, is nationally televised. Um, they have been taken off that game. And, you know, when you first read that, you go, oh, man, like, how can you do that? Like, how can you just take a crew off of a game and, like, that, that, that shouldn't happen? I mean, you know, you shouldn't be changing officiating crews. You should trust your officiating crew so much that if they make a mistake, you think, well, they won't make it again. This is a good crew still. You know, we, we did our due diligence in the offseason. We put together some good crews. Sure, some are better than others. But at this stage of the game, we can't be picking and choosing and taking crews off games. But if you're going to do that, right, if you're going to say Pete Morelli's crew, you're going to take them off the game. We're, we're going to take them off the prime time game. His here would be my reaction to that. I would say, you, can, you can't then send that crew to another game because you're basically admitting this crew sucks. They're not good enough for the primetime game, but they're good enough for another game, right? So you're admitting that you're sort of punishing these guys, one, and two, admitting that one game is bigger than another. And if you're the NFL and you have to control the officiating and control the integrity of the game, I don't know. Something tells me that under the definition of integrity of the game, shouldn't you as a league, the head of officiating or even the commissioner, Roger Goodell, look at the league and say, hey, on Sunday, okay, in week 13, there isn't one game that's more important than another. 
just because one's on national TV and one's on Sunday Night Football, sure, it's the game of the week, but the games and the result of these games, they all mean the same thing to every team because that's we all live in a league in which everybody is playing by the rules and everybody is uh, living under this integrity of football no team, no game is bigger than the other when it comes to the result and when it comes especially to the officiating in that given game. I mean, that's how you should handle it. How the NFL is handling it is, not only are they taking the officiating crew off of the Sunday night football game, they are then taking that crew and they are putting them on another game. You know what game they're putting them on? Oh, they're putting them on Philly, New England. On Sunday at 425 at Gillette Stadium. They are putting, they are taking this officiating crew that they're admitting is so bad they cannot be on national TV and they cannot officiate the game of the week. So they're saying, we're going to put them on the Patriots game. The Patriots and the Eagles are going to have Pete Morelli's crew on Sunday. The same crew that has been basically being punished for being fucking terrible. They're saying, we'll take this terrible officiating crew and we'll give it to this game. Which makes absolutely zero sense to me. I don't know about to anybody else, but you can't do that. And obviously I'm fired up because they're, we, I, I'm telling you right now, the NFL, they're attempting a screw job here on the Patriots when it comes to the officiating because they lost their battle with Brady. I mean, they can't have Brady... Uh, you know, off the field. So they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that the Patriots don't basically give the league the ultimate fuck you, and they, which means that they would be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy when it's all said and done. Super Bowl 50. Goodell's got to be up there handing that Lombardi Trophy to Brady and Belichick and Robert Kraft. Do you think he wants to do that? No. He's doing everything in his power to prevent that. And if that means putting the, one of the worst officiating crews onto the Patriots-Eagles game so that maybe they then cost the Patriots a game, so that then maybe the Patriots don't have home field advantage, and then maybe the Patriots don't get the Super Bowl 50? I mean, I, I get it. I'm not a, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but I don't even know that this is conspiracy theory. This is blatant. This is like... We're t- this is saying we are punishing this officiating crew because last week they were so bad that they forgot what fucking down it was. They didn't know what down it was. So we're going to put them on another game. But no game should be looked at as, le- as less important than another. Like, so uh, it's just mind-boggling to me that you can do that. If you have extra officials and you say we're going to put the extra officials... Uh, into this game because this officiator, you want to punish those guys by just giving them a week off? Fine. You can't punish them, though, by then taking them and putting them to another game. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And they're putting them on the Patriots game. Which, actually, if you believe there's a screw job going on here, makes complete sense. <laughs> makes, makes complete sense. If you accept the fact that there's a screw job going on right now with the officiating, or at least I'll say an attempted screw job, if you can, if you can admit that that's going on, it all kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Holy shit. It's just blatant. I mean, it's not even conspiracy theory. It's, it's, they're, they're telling us they're punishing the crew, and the crew's so bad that they can't do that game because it's the primetime game, and that game's more important to the NFL than... The other one's on Sundays. And you know what? We get to pick what one they're going to be on Sunday. So we'll pick Patriots hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the one we're going to pick. That's the one they're going to pick. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable I can't, I, literally, I can't believe it. And, and the, look, the Patriots are not going to come out, even though Rob Gronkowski sort of tweeted something where he retweeted a story and he said, agree above it. And the story was that, the officials are targeting Gronk when it comes to, like, offensive pass interference. And, and Gronk tweeted, agree. Now, I haven't been on Twitter since I started recording this podcast, but I would not be shocked if by the time I end this podcast, that tweet is deleted. Uh, that is as close as you're going to get to the Patriots publicly ripping into the officiating. So I don't think they're going to do it. But it's pretty clear when you can sort of read between the lines and, and listen to the tone 
and some of the responses that, sure, they're not directly attacking officials, but they're not necessarily defending them either. Uh, it, it's The Patriots are not happy with the officiating. I mean, they shouldn't be. Who would be if you were in their spot? Literally, even after the hop of fumble last week, Patriots still should have won that game. They don't call that Chung hold or pass interference, whatever the fuck they called, and they shouldn't have. Patriots, you know, they're in, Broncos are in a tough spot there. And if they don't call that offensive pass interference on Gronk, and there's still a handful of others. And I don't sit there and complain about officials or flags, but it is so blatant that you can't, you can't ignore it. It's legit costing them games. And if you're going to cost team games with penalties, if you're going to cost teams games, they better be they better be at least borderline okay. I guess I can see him calling that. These are penalties that we're going, even if I wasn't a Patriots fan. If I'm watching this game and I don't have a horse in the race, I would say, you can't call that. You cannot call that. Not this moment. Not in this spot. Not to, not to give the other team. Uh, you can't do it. But they're doing it. And now, not only are they doing that, they're taking a, an officiating crew that they are admitting is terrible, and they are putting them on the Patriots-Eagles game. On Sunday at 4.30. Uh, it, it, there's a point where now I just... I, that's it. It's so blatant. It's so obvious. I mean, there are no other words than that to describe it. And uh, if you're pissed off, I'd be pissed off too. Now, you know, there's the idea that maybe this officiating crew gets into this game and they're so bad that they make the bad calls on the Eagles. And, you know, with the Patriots having home field and, um, you know, maybe they will call a couple questionable questionable penalties on Philly and the Patriots will benefit. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, I mean, I, I do think that maybe they owe the Patriots a couple calls here, but I, I don't even want to see that. I just, I just, I don't, I, I don't want to see makeup calls. I don't want to see the Patriots get the makeup calls. They're good enough to win the game without that. I just don't want them to make calls that really have no effect on the play. And, and that's what it comes down to back in the Denver game. And even the Bills game, the whistle, no, if it would, what are you blowing the whistle for? He didn't step out of bounds. He didn't throw it out of bounds. Your excuse that you thought he either stepped out of bounds or was throwing it out of bounds, that makes no sense. Wait till the ball goes out of bounds. Then blow, then blow the whistle. Watch him step out of bounds. Then blow the whistle. Don't assume it's going out of bounds, so I'm going to blow it. And some people have said, well, they were just, Brady complains about getting hit. They were protecting Brady. There's, there's, here's how, no, that's not how you protect the quarterback if you're an official. If the, if the quarterback complains to the refs, right, here's, here's how you protect the quarterback. The next time it happens, you then flag the guy you hit him. And you give the offense a big first down when, you know, maybe there'll be some people at that point saying, oh, it's football, you, can, you hit the quarterback. That's, that's your makeup call on the quarterback. That's how you protect the QB. You set that tone. You say, hey, you're going to hit this guy still a couple times late. We're going to flag you for it. And they might be hesitant to hit him or bump him later in the game. That's how you do it. You don't blow the whistle before he gets hit to prevent him getting hit. That makes no fucking sense. But they did it. And when you take an officiated crew now and... You say they're so bad they can't do that game. We got to punish them. We'll put them on the Patriots game. It means less than these other games. No, it doesn't mean less. And the league should acknowledge this. They shouldn't be making official changes during the season, during games. You want to flex games out. You want to take games and say, we'll put this one on national TV because this game's bigger than the other. We'll do that. We'll flex them out, flex them on Sunday nights. You want to do that? Be my guest. But the officiating crews, no, 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 no. You better go into the season with the confidence in each and every single crew that you have. And if there are mistakes made, there are ways to punish them. But you cannot punish them by taking them out of one game and putting them in the other. Because that's you admitting that one game is more important than another game. And that makes no fucking sense based on the fact that you are a league and a commissioner that has been fighting this battle about integrity of the league over PSI and a football the last... Ten months! 
Like, I just don't get it. Holy shit. I have no explanation for this. The only explanation I have is that the, they are trying to they are trying to do something that Vince McMahon couldn't pull off in the WWF. Vince McMahon, he screwed Bret the Hitman hot, okay? He did. Pro wrestling, the everything is when when everything is scripted. They don't like when you say fake. They don't like when you say fake. And I can see that because they take bumps, they they take hits. And I don't use that word when I describe it. But it is, you know, it, 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 we already, they know the outcome when they walk to that ring. They know what's going to go down. They know who's winning. They know who's losing. Uh, Vince McMahon, yeah, he, the way they thought it was going to go down, it didn't go down like that because Vince McMahon actually pulled off the biggest screw job that we've ever seen. And I know some people still wonder if that's a storyline. It, it wasn't. That's a real, you know, that's a, that was a real thing. Bret Hart was leaving. He was gone. He wasn't re-signing. He was going WCW. That was it. They were in Canada. Vince McMahon said, yeah, watch this. You want to leave me like everybody else? You want to go to them? Here's what I'm going to do. The Montreal Screwjob. But Vince McMahon could try all he wanted to screw somebody. He could never pull off what it looks like the NFL is trying to pull off right now. <laughs> okay? And uh, it's... It's confusing. It really is, because you're just trying to figure out what's happening. This is an awful officiating crew. But at this point, you can't stop changing the officiating crews. You can't do it. But they're going to do it. And uh, the Patriots host the Eagles on Sunday. So you look at this Eagles team. uh, I'll go into it more tomorrow. Every Wednesday, I give my preview for the upcoming week in the NFL. So I'll do that tomorrow. Uh, But... A quick look at this Eagles team. They are in shambles. They are. I mean, the Eagles are as down and out as, as you could be. They're 4-7. and seven. They've lost three straight. Um, and it's not like they've lost to Murderers Row. It's not like they've lost to teams that uh, are undefeated or even going to the playoffs. In fact, they've lost to, if the playoffs began today, and you look at the playoff picture in the NFL, right, the... Philadelphia Eagles, their last three losses, three straight, have been to teams that are not in the play that are not in the playoffs if they begin today. Dolphins, Buccaneers, and the Lions. And only one of those games was on the road. And that was in Detroit. So uh, the Eagles are all over the place. And it's now we're hearing that Chip Kelly's lost the locker room. The quarterbacks, you know, it's the backup quarterback because Bradford's hurt. But even when Bradford was in, he wasn't lighting up the league. Uh, they got DeMarco Murray running east to west when he's a north-south guy, right? You know, you got Sproles was yelling at Sanchez. People in the locker room questioning if DeMarco Murray even, you know, if he if he's even trying anymore. He got the big payday. I guess he, he slid a couple times before he took a hit. And so, I mean, Chip Kelly... You, I've to, I've been crushing Chip Kelly for, for the last year, the last two years. The moves that he's made with his roster, it's he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and everybody in that room knows he's not. But he thinks he is. And and I think he's ruined that organization. I do. Some of the moves that he's made, you know, he can come out and and pull the parcels. You know, they they want me to. Cook the dinner, so uh, let me shop for the groceries. They, they, they let Chip Kelly shop for the groceries. I mean, they let him drive to stop and shop. They let him go in there uh, with the cart. They gave him, uh, Eagles gave him their debit card. They said, get what you want in that grocery. He went and got what he wanted. He made some returns, <laughs> picked some other things out. Um. And the dinner shows that he's not a very good grocery shopper because it's not a very good dinner. It tastes like shit. And the Philadelphia Eagles are 4-7, and and they have all this shit going on behind the scenes with them. They are not going to come to New England and win. It's just not going to happen. So uh, even with some bad officiating, even if they try to screw the Patriots, the Patriots still should be able to overcome that stuff against an Eagles team that seems to be in shambles at this moment 
in time. So we'll do some more NFL preview uh, tomorrow like I do every Wednesday. But last night, you know, week 12 ended with the Monday night game. If you watched it, God bless you. I watched the final play. Exciting final play. Block field goal for a touchdown. Only would happen in that game. But uh, if you really sat there and watched the whole game, God bless you. I, 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 there's no way I could do it. I mean, I couldn't anyways. I was moving. I didn't finish moving, getting back in till like 10, 10.30. But uh, that, I, I couldn't watch that whole game, even if I wasn't moving. So we'll move on and get back to some NFL stuff tomorrow. A couple other quick thoughts before I close out the show. The hot stove, Major League Baseball, it's, in my opinion, one of the more exciting times of the year. And when you look at what the Red Sox need to do, just, just bringing it back here a little bit. Look, I'm glad they didn't get Zimmerman. Zimmerman got big money. I, I never thought that he was going to be the answer to the Red Sox problems in their rotation. But we're still waiting to see what the Red Sox are going to do. Uh, they did make a, a signing yesterday. It was outfielder Chris Young. Chris Young has been linked to the Red Sox the last month. You know, we've heard reports that they were looking for that fourth outfielder. And, you know, right now the outfield is Castillo, Jackie Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts. There are not a lot of people in this town that want to see it any di- any more different than that. They want, actually, that's what we want to be the outfield. Me too. I mean, I wonder if you can go out and get a stud starting pitcher. Do you move one of those guys? Look, I, I wouldn't hang up the phone. I'd be open to that. I need to know who you're getting. I need to know what the rest of the deal is, right? But if you don't make that move, you know, the guys that you want, Castillo, Bradley Jr., and Betts. Now, the Red Sox signed Chris Young yesterday, 32 years old, right-handed hitter. Uh, He hit two fifty two last year. Here's what you need to know about Chris Young. This is the biggest thing, and it will show you why this is not necessarily a guy that they brought in to replace an outfielder if they were to make a major trade. Like, I don't think the Chris Young thing, the Chris Young signing is not going to be connected to any trade that they may or may not make. Like, I think it's two separate things. I think this is a depth signing, and that is it. That is it. It It's no more difficult or complicated than that. This is a depth move. They want Chris Young as a fourth outfielder, and this is why. Right-handed hitter against lefties. Uh, last year, he hit 327 against lefties. Against righties, he hit 182. So, clearly much better against lefties. He'll be somebody that might be thrown in there if you're going to give Jackie Bradley Jr. a night off. Um, or, you know, let's say they make a move and they bring in a left-handed bat to play center field or something. Chris Young would, would platoon with that guy. Or there'd be a way in which he platoons. Chris Young is not going to be the everyday and everyday outfielder for the Red Sox. I don't. At least, let me say this. I don't believe that's the plan. For anybody that wants to connect the two, I don't think it's connected. I think you've got to look on the Chris Young signing on its own merit and say it is no more complicated than the fact that he's just a depth guy and a number four outfielder. That's very good against left-handed pitching. That's it. That's all that is. So we'll put that aside. Okay, depth move. Guy that can hit lefties at Fenway, I'm, a, I'm all for it. Go ahead. Make my day. Go Make it happen. They did. But I'm reading something else. Now, I don't have, and this goes back to the pitching. I don't have ESPN Insider. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm under the impression that, you know, we live in a world in which everything is on Twitter. Every rumor, every report. If something's big, it's going to get out there. Which means that I don't need to have ESPN Insider. Like, I don't need to pay for that. Um, and I think this is where this is come, coming from. But uh, either way, I'll, 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 we'll give credit to ESPN's Jim Bowden, who apparently said this somewhere. But I was reading it on Twitter from Boston Sports' Jared Carabas. He covers the Red Sox, does a great job. We've had him in studio here um, on this show. And he has a podcast, the Section 10 podcast, which is also on Boston Sports. Uh, and he, like I said, he also writes for Boston. But uh, I read this tweet from him, from Jared earlier. He said, this is coming from ESPN's Jim Bowden. He said, quote, from what I'm hearing, the Boston Red Sox won't let David Price get away. End quote. Now, Jared finishes this tweet by pointing out that ESPN's Jim Bowden also threw out a number. 
And the number he's hearing is seven years at $213 million for David Price. Seven years, $213 million for David Price. Now, David Price turns 31 in August. So he's going to be 30 years old for most of next season. And, and, and the, let me, the first thing I did when I heard this number, seven years, 213 mil for David Price at 30 years old, which comes out to 30 mil a season. The first thing I did was go back and look at John Lester's contract. John Lester, he signed a deal with the Cubs, six years, 155. That comes out to $26 million a year if my math is correct. Six years at 155, 26 mil a year. You'd be giving David Price one more year than that, uh, which I'm okay with. If that's what's going to get it done, that's what gets it done. And you're going to give him an extra four mil a season than annually John Lester is making right now. So you're giving it 213 mil for seven years. If that's what they give David Price, that's what Jim Bowden is saying from ESPN. Uh, and then you look at what Lester got. I, I told you, they're going to look at Lester's number, numbers last year, and they're going to want more than that. They're going to look at Lester's number, and they're going to want more than what he got last offseason. And people might look at the number 30, 30 mil a year, and look at the extra year, and I think it's going to scare some people off, even some people that like David Price. It's not going to scare me off. Because I went into this free agency and this offseason wanting David Price to be signed by the Red Sox. I wanted the Red Sox to go after him. But I also knew, I went in with the mindset thinking, he's going to ask for John Lester money and then some. He is. Because that's what happens. And guess what? The big free agent next year or two years down the road, he's going to ask for David Price money and then some. It's always going to go up. It is. So, when you look at Price, and if you have the mindset that I had, wanted the Red Sox to go get him, and also knew that he was going to ask for John Lester money, and then some, I'm not shocked by the number 213 mil over seven years, which comes out to $30 million a season. And since I'm not shocked about it, I'm saying to myself, and especially in a league where there's no salary cap and in an organization that is a big market club that has the money to spend, this should be a deal that gets done. If these are the numbers, David Price should accept it and the Red Sox should do it. I'm all in. I'm doing it. I'm making it happen. I am. I'm making it happen. So if this is true, what Jim Bowden's saying, what he's hearing is that the Red Sox won't let him get away. Uh, and the numbers, seven years, 213 mil, which comes out to 30 mil a season. I'm making it happen. I'm signing the check. I'm bringing David Price to the Red Sox because I'm going to tell you this right now. David Price... Look, he's already proven in this in this division, first of all, which is big. All right? Uh, the other thing is, you know, people look at the postseason stuff, and you know how I feel about that. If you actually watched him pitch in the ALCS last year, it wasn't – this is a guy that seemed, in my opinion, to be putting out pretty damn good postseason performances. I, I think so, if you watched him pitch. But anyways, you got to get to the postseason first. And if David Price is going to be what he usually is in the regular season – then this is the guy that you want as your opening day starter. And if he pitches for the if he comes to the Red Sox and he pitches like we're used to seeing him pitch in the regular season, there isn't going to be one person out there that is talking about the 30 mil that he'd be making. Nobody. It's not going to affect anybody. It's not going to affect you. It's not going to affect me. The people say, well, they're going to raise the ticket prices. They're going to raise the price of beer. I got news for you. They're doing that anyways. They're raising the price of beer. They're raising the ticket prices, even if they don't sign David Price. So what are you complaining about? Don't I don't even want to bring the two together. Everything's going up. Prices are going up. It's what's going on. And, and I guess be grateful because if they ended up building a new Fenway, think about how much more expensive the prices would go up. Then give me the expensive player. I'll take him. You get the money to pay, and when he's dominating next year in the regular season, we're not going to be complaining about the 30 mil. Nobody is. And if you are, you, I, I, I think 
you know, you need to take a walk outside. You need to go outside. Take a walk around Castle Island. And, you, you, you know, whatever you're smoking, in the words of Jamie Foxx in his very early stand-up days, you better blow that shit out. Because, I mean, right now, you're a little bit too jacked up about something that you shouldn't be really worried about, which is a big market baseball club's money. Now, it's one thing if you will go out and give $30 million to some schmuck who hasn't proven shit in the league. Different story. Different story. This is... You gotta, you gotta take these... It's not even... I'm not even gonna say a risk. It's not a risk. You know, and people say, well, what if this happens to him? What if that happens to him? Shit could happen to anybody. Is that really what you're going into? Injury? Come on. That's foolish. You, you, you have the money to spend, spend it. And if you're going to spend it, you might as well spend it on the best starting pitcher that's available. So I want to see it happen. And if those are the numbers, they don't scare me off. I'm just telling you. I know they'll probably, people will see the 30 mil a year and it will scare people off. Even people who like David Price. They'll say, it's too much to spend. Oh man, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do? How do you want to do this next year? You don't want to spend that much money. How, what do you, how do you want to do this? You have no good answer to me, at least to me. You don't. This is what I'll do. I'll sign David Price to the big money contract. DeLon, give him the seventh year. Do it. Make it happen. The seventh year is the thing that's going to be the, uh, you know, put it over the top. Convince us to have a press conference at Fenway right before the winter meetings. You want to have David Price at Christmas at Fenway? Whatever they're doing. What are they building snowmen out there? I don't know what they do at Christmas at Fenway. I've never gone. I have no idea what goes on. Christmas at Fenway. No clue. Do you want David Price there in a Red Sox hat and jersey? All right. Sign the check. Make it happen. But I tell you this, you better make it happen soon. You know why? Because the Yankees have a lot of money too. And (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. The Yankees have a lot of money too. Get it done soon. That's all I'm saying. And Price, out of all the guys that are available in free agency, this is the one that I want. This is the one that I want the Red Sox to sign. So um, we'll wait and see if there's any news on that. We'll bring it to you. But that's the, those numbers, they don't scare me off for David Price. A uh, couple other quick thoughts here. In the NBA, Golden State, they remain undefeated at 19 and all. It's a number that makes me cringe. It's a record that makes me cringe. So I'm going to move on real quick. But I had to uh, at least mention it. Uh, but also there's one story. The interim coach, Luke Walton, he's been coaching the Warriors because Steve Kerr, what's he had? He had back surgery and he's recovering and he can't coach yet. The, the NBA is not going to credit Luke Walton, the interim coach, with the wins. But they did say this today. They said, but he'll be eligible for awards. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd rather have the wins on my record, right? I'd rather have the wins on my record so that when it comes time for me to get a head coaching gig, like, if Luke Walton doesn't finish the season as the coach, if Steve Kerr comes back, and I actually don't know Steve Kerr's timetable. I'm not sure anybody does. But I assume that, you know, he's not going to get Wally pipped, right? That's, I don't think that can happen. You just want a championship. Uh, bottom line is this. Steve Kerr comes back. Luke Walton, what, is he going to be the assistant again? Okay. He's not going to then win awards. What awards is he going to win? Best coach through the first 30 games of the season? That's not an award. You don't have that. So if I'm a coach, I'd want the numbers on my record. I'd want the wins on my record. So when it comes time for me to get a head coaching gig and I'm, I'm doing interview process and I got to put my resume on the table, right? And, and Owen is looking at it going, okay, wow, you got a great record. Yeah, you had that nice little run with Golden State, huh? Right? Oh, yeah, it says it right here on paper how good it was. <laughs> I want that on paper. That's what I want. They're saying he's not going to get that, which I, 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 it would piss me off if I'm Luke Walton. But Golden State still undefeated. Uh, and then last night, the Celtics here locally. The Celtics, they win in Miami. Uh, big win for the Seas. And uh, in the NHL, the Bruins begin a West Coast trip. Western Canada trip tomorrow night in Edmonton. So we'll take a look at that uh, maybe a little bit tomorrow. But for the most part, tomorrow, my NFL Week 13 preview. I will go over every single game. 
and uh, we'll take a look at the playoff picture in the NFL if the playoffs began today. So we'll do that tomorrow, keep you updated on any other Major League Baseball offseason stuff, any hot stove news, and any other news that breaks in the world of sports or even big entertainment stories. Whatever's going on, we'll talk about it. You can get this podcast whenever you want, but I record five days a week. I pump out a new show every weekday. Get it at dannypicard.com. Also, subscribe on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes or an iPhone or a, or a tablet or an iPad, you can get it on the TuneIn app. Really, anywhere podcasts are available, but I recommend the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N, the TuneIn app. And uh, also, follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. Instagram, all forms of social media. Thanks for joining me. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.